In our special 100th episode, we reflect on what God has done so far and what the future might hold. Hey everyone, I know that this is, you know, our 100th episode and it's supposed to be, you know, really great and exciting, but I've just, I'm really upset because someone broke into our house last night and they, they only stole one thing. They stole my limbo trophy. I mean, how low can you go? Hey everyone, welcome to episode 100. I still love those dad jokes. Do you love them? Let me know. I just, I really like them. Anyways, um, so great to be with you for this special 100th episode. Let's get into our peak pit and plug. Uh, my peak, I have several. Um, peak is that I'm still on vacation, loving it, having day trips with the fam, being able to just go for walks and you know, uh, get out of the, the routine for a little bit and really just rest and recuperate. Um, yeah, a lot of really just beautiful memories and time with friends and family. It's just really wonderful. Part of that is going to be this Saturday when this premieres. So you can uh, say a special prayer for my family and for my kids in particular. We're having a joint uh, birthday party for my son Levi, who recently turned one, and my daughter Hannah, who recently turned three. And it's kind of also a little baptism celebration because Levi recently got baptized. So uh, it's a big, you know, mega party for the two of them. And um, so if you're listening to this, whether it's on the day it premieres or later, uh, say a little prayer for my kids. I would appreciate it um, just in celebration for them and their life and their health. Um, yeah. So a lot to be grateful for. Um, I'm going to jump over to plug instead of pit because I want to talk a little bit about um, the pit. But um, the plug, um, this is we're still in the year of St. Joseph in our church. I don't know if you knew that. Um, and there um, is a, a lot of different literature out there on St. Joseph. There is a popular um, consecration of St. Joseph by Father Don Calloway. My wife and I did it. Wasn't my favorite thing, I'll say that, you know, um, a lot of great information if you know nothing about Joseph or anything like that, or you have a really different notion of Joseph, um, but if you're looking for something that's a little more palatable, a little less reading, a little more manageable, um, I highly recommend a book called Go to Joseph. Um, oh shoot, I can't remember who wrote it, but it's like a 10-day consecration to Joseph. It's like one or two pages a day, very to the point. It's basically a really super condensed version of the formal consecration, but it's by someone else and it's really great if you just if you don't have the time to spend 30 minutes a day reading you know the stuff for that and really diving into it but if you have time for just a real focused five five minutes you know in the morning or in the evening for 10 days to do consecration to saint joseph i think it's a really really well done um consecration i prefer it to the the longer one that we did um both great both have their um their pros and cons but my personal preference is this one. So highly recommend it. It is a navy blue cover that says go to Joseph on it. You can find it for Amazon um, and it's a 10 day consecration. So I wanted to give that little plug. I did it a few weeks ago and I really enjoyed it. Um, my pit is a there's just um, quite a few people in our lives who just have a lot of burdens and sufferings and um What's been nice is um, I've just really felt called to in my continuous intermittent fasting for health and in my continuous um, um, just desires for different kind of health. And anytime I experience any kind of discomfort, suffering, really reminding myself to offer up that fasting, that discomfort, that suffering for these people who are really going through a lot right now. And I think... Um, I don't know, sometimes we can have blinders up because like we feel COVID kind of relaxing in many ways, the regulations and our experience of it. 
And I think for a lot of us, we might um, accidentally not be present to the continued trauma, grief, pain, and hurt of other people because we're too focused on getting back to normal, you know, and there's still people who are in your family, among your friends, who are around you in the community who are suffering. And I just encourage you to be keeping those people in prayer, offering up your own daily sufferings for them, fasting, whatever it may be, prayer. Um, but that's just been a pit. And another pit that I want to talk a tiny bit about before I get into, um, you know, discerning and reflecting on these 100 episodes and, and where we're going forward is, uh, I don't know if you heard, but the Pope um, this past week issued what's called a motu proprio. It's a document. Motu proprio means basically um, on his own accord or his own impulse. It's basically no one needs to prompt him. He just decided to write this, um, an edict basically, um, and basically said that, um, so let me give you a little history here. So um, if you didn't know this, um, previous to the Second Vatican Council in the 1960s, most masses around the world were celebrated in Latin. Um, not in the common language. Other places had been given permission to do in the common language and had been for a little while. Um, but at the Second Vatican Council, there was a lot of liturgical reforms. And particularly in this, uh, I think it's called a um, Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy. Its um, formal name is Sacrosanctum Concilium. And it's all about um, basically adaptations or um, an involvement in the ways that we can celebrate the Mass. And so um, they still honored the what's called the extraordinary form, the Tridentine Mass, the Latin Mass, um, but they allowed for Mass to be uh, what's, what came to be known as the Novus Ordo, the new order of Mass, which was um, a little less formal. In the um, It could be sung in the vernacular. Lay people, meaning non-ordained people, could participate as different liturgical ministers. Um, and so it just really opened up a lot of... Um, things for the Mass. And in the years following the Second Vatican Council, a lot of random crazy things were going on with the Mass. And so they really were trying to, you know, clarify and clarify and clarify. And I think we got to the point maybe in the in the in recent decades where that's kind of honed in a little bit, though you still come across some pretty crazy and um, sometimes irreverent things that happen at Mass, ways people are incorporating, you know, modern things into the liturgy. But so um, about 14 years ago, which what year would that have been? About 2007-ish. Pope Benedict the 16th, who was Pope at the time, he issued, uh, I think, his own motu proprio that basically said, um, because the Latin Mass is still the extraordinary form, the preferred form of the rite, um, even though the Second Vatican Council and the movement of the Holy Spirit, the bishops really felt that this is where the Holy Spirit was leading them, was to allow Mass to be celebrated in the common language, have more active conscious participation from the lay people. Um, Pope Benedict said that we should really be um, rem reminded of the beauty and the importance of the extraordinary form, the Tridentine Latin Mass, and so encouraged that. Um, and he said in that document that the goal was that the um, extraordinary form would bless and benefit the, the new form and vice versa. They would learn from one another and we could have a fuller, richer experience of the liturgy by having both of those available. So over the past 14 years, as that has been made more available, and maybe you've um, seen this rise in like what's called rad trad or traditional Catholicism, people who really are oriented toward the Tridentine or Latin Mass. Um, what a lot of bishops around the world have observed is a really stark divide between people who um, only want to go to Tridentine Mass and and basically talk about the Novus Ordo, the um, ordinary form of the Mass, 
in a detrimental way, in a demeaning way, in a way that it's not, you know, valid or it's irreverent or it's, you know, the Eucharist isn't valid, things like that. Talk about it in a really derogatory way or in a, um, uh, an untheological way and kind of look down on it and only go to Latin Mass. So, and you, you're free to go to Latin Mass if you, you know, want to. There's nothing wrong with Latin Mass. It's the extraordinary form. But because of this divide, this kind of pastoral concern that bishops in a recent survey um, expressed to Pope Francis, Pope Francis issued last week this document, a motu proprio, on the Latin Mass and basically said, we should not be encouraging new groups to form of this. Um, if you are currently practicing or offering the Latin Mass, you now need to ask permission from the Vatican. If you are a uh, priest that is ordained after this and you would like to celebrate the Latin Mass, you need to ask permission from um, the Vatican or from your local bishop, I think, and then he submits it to the Vatican. So all this authority about overseeing the Latin Mass has now gone to the, the local bishop, and a lot of things need to be submitted to Rome if that is going to continue. And so the ways in which the Latin Mass can continue have vastly been restricted to encourage people to be going in the direction that the Holy Father and the, the Second Vatican Council Church Fathers believe that the liturgy needed to be reformed into was a way in which more people can participate, um, and that can continue to be revised and reformed to make sure it's the most reverent, the most, you know, unifying, the most participatory possible without losing the reverence that we have for the Eucharist and for the Mass. And so um, that's kind of what happened. So if you've heard this kind of like, I've heard the phrase like liturgical civil war and like crazy things like that. So anyways, it's, I wanted to talk about that just to give you a sense of what just happened. If you've been hearing about it, Pope Francis didn't change anything about how we do mass. He basically changed the ways in which Latin, Tridentine, pre-Vatican II types of masses can be offered because he wants to get rid of this kind of liturgical division that he's seeing um, based on communication from bishops, seeing crop up around places. Um, and then also wants to unify people in the direction that the council, the Second Vatican Council, um, desired for the church to go into. Um, and so it's a pit because I, I don't know, I just feel like there, there may be Catholics out there, maybe you're listening to this and you're one of them, who we sometimes neglect to remember that the Holy Spirit is still guiding the church and is still guiding our Pope. And that the Pope is the vicar of Christ, the representative of Christ on earth. And that we need to honor, respect, and um, be obedient to that. Um, that there is no, you know, um, doctrinal error within Catholicism. Yes, popes can do bad things, can say things that are unhelpful. But as soon as something becomes like a doctrine or a dogma, especially these constitutions from the Second Vatican Council, we have to see them through the lens of knowing that the Holy Spirit must have guided this to where the Holy Spirit is desiring the church to go, even if it's a, a place we don't understand, we think is uncomfortable, or we personally might think is wrong. Um, there is this thing in the church called the sensus fidelium, the sense of the faithful, that the, the, the overall population of the church... Um, and they have kind of um, almost like a theological authority that, um, you know, the majority of them, if there is a, a favor towards something um, and it is in alignment, it doesn't directly contradict what we know to be revealed truth from Christ, from scripture, from tradition um, and previous magisterial authority. If it's a way we practice, this is a pastoral thing that um, Pope Francis is issuing, um, then we should be obedient to that. And we should be willing to, um, you know, give it a shot and actually consider like, okay, is my approach to this wrong or unhelpful? So I wanted to share that. It's kind of my pit 
because I just have seen a lot of this division in the church and this kind of hateful interliturgical, you know, things. And I, I see it a lot more on the part of people who, uh, and this is just my personal experience. It could very well be both ways. Uh, I see it more on the part of people who enjoy the traditional Tridentine Latin mass talk about in a very almost prideful derogatory, like holier than thou type of way other experiences of mass and community and ministry and things like that. Like there's only one right way to worship. Um, and I think those people need to be reminded that Jesus didn't say the mass in Latin. The mass has gone through many reforms throughout the history of the church. Uh, this is not the first major one. Um, and there are many other different rites within the church that celebrate vastly different uh, and are much more ancient than the Latin rite. Um, especially the Latin rite that we currently, um, are talking about, which has evolved over time. So, um, but the problem with, with why this is so, um, much in Catholic news is because the Roman rite under which the, the extraordinary form of the mass in Latin falls is, um, the Roman rite as a whole is by far the most populous in the entire world among Catholics. Most Catholics celebrate the church under the Roman right. They're Roman Catholics. I'm a Roman Catholic. Most of us are Roman Catholics. You may meet like a Chaldean Catholic, a Coptic Catholic, a Byzantine Catholic, um, you know, other um, rites, a Maronite, a Syro-Malabar, Syriac Catholic, uh, Armenian Catholic. All those are different ways in which they worship. And so there are, I believe at the moment, 23 different rites within the church. But the Roman rite has under it the extraordinary form in Latin, the what's called the ordinary of the chair of St. Peter, which is a kind of middle form that's adapted from the Anglican rite um, or the Anglican church for people who convert from Anglicanism to Catholicism. And then the ordinary form, which is what I celebrate or not I celebrate, I attend and participate in and most of us, you know, um, do. So that's why this has caused this kind of like liturgical storm. So anyways, if you're wondering why all that was happening, that's why. Now that aside, <laughs> um, a weird combination of things here for this episode. Thank you, first of all, for all of you who send in your feedback and your um, just your heartfelt comments and how you've continued to share this podcast with other people. I want a special shout out to Justine, who is constantly sharing this and so supportive, and Natalie, who's constantly giving um, you know feedback, letting us know she's listening. Uh, my buddy Matt, who's um, t- always talking to me about listening to the podcast, and a lot of other people who've who've found this podcast from other places in the world, especially our listeners in Costa Rica, um, people on the East Coast, um, some listeners in New Zealand. Um, shout out to you guys, um, Kiora, um, and yeah, just so excited um, to see that. So a little bit, a little background. We were a hundred episodes in, hundred episodes, actually a couple more because we did some two parters that are um are numbered the same number so technically we already had our 100th episode but for formality's sake um the uh, you know our intro episode to um that jenna and i my previous co-host and um co-founder of this podcast and this ministry um my best friend um we set our introductory podcast premiered it on october 9th 2017 so three and a half years ago um, and our first official episode was uh, recorded and launched, premiered on November 4th, 2017, on the feast day of St. Charles Borromeo, who became our podcast patron saint. So we don't talk about him too much, but we talked about him in our very first formal episode, um, I believe. And he's always in the show notes. We're always asking for his prayers. 
Um, and, um, yeah, Jenna and I journeyed through the podcast together until about halfway through Jenna discerned based on family needs and other things going on and just her availability that she was no longer able to, um, you know, co-host the podcast. And so she kind of, um, released it into my hands and, um, that's kind of where we've been so far. And so we've done a lot of different series. I encourage you to go back. My, I think one of my favorite series we did was on the seven deadly sins. And then we did a series on um, the five transcendental truths. We did one on love, one on belonging, one on uh, truth, one on goodness, and one on beauty. And you can go find all those backlogs on our website, manafoodforthought.com. And I would just encourage you to go back and let us know still what your favorite episode is. And uh, always great to hear that, um, especially those of you who are listening later, who are just kind of catching up on the podcast. Um, but over time, over the past three and a half years, um, we've, um, had several thousand, um, RSS subscribers to our RSS feed. So people subscribing to the podcast, uh, traffic from 73 different countries around the world. Um, so thank you to all of you. I remember one episode, Jen and I realized we were getting international traffic. And so we, we tried to say, we practiced saying, um, like different greetings and things. Uh, or maybe this was for a vlog. I think it was for a vlog when we used to do vlogs and we we're really bad at it because we're not YouTubers or anything. Um, but we tried to give greetings in different languages and it was really bad. Um, so, um, but I was looking at the analytics and we have had one, one, uh, listener or, you know, podcast trafficker from Vatican city and y'all I'm hoping it's Papa F, you know, Frankie, if you're listening to this, Pope Francis, give us a shout out, you know, give me a call. Um, that would be so cool. Who knows? Probably not. There's, you know, but statistically based on the size of the country, higher likelihood that it could be him if it had been a different country. So anyways, a hundred episodes in, um, where is this going next? You know, I, I've been constantly discerning, you know, I know I've talked about creating merchandise and a shop and all these things. And I am not, you probably know this from listening to the podcast. I am not the most marketing gifted person. Um, I'm not really good at all the little hashtags and analytic things that make a podcast blow up or anything like that. And I really have no desire for that to happen. I just believe that there needs to be more positive content out there for Catholics. It just teaches them like, what's the real practical way to live our faith and to know it and be able to communicate it in a way that helps us to share and defend it practically and not get in like pigeonholed into one different topic, but really just look at what is it like to live out in the Catholic world today? Um, and, and that's where we're really called, you know, St. Jose Maria Escriva, like the extraordinary sainthood of ordinary life. And I, this is something I feel very passionate about. And so this podcast has been a great avenue for me to talk about that and share with you how that's been on my heart and where I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me. And hopefully you benefit from hearing that and it helps you in your faith life. Um, so discerning going forward, you know, I've thought about stopping the podcast and to tell you the truth, I might still do that. Who knows? I've thought about um, rebranding it and doing something with my wife, and you've heard a lot of those ideas and have been very receptive to those, um, and that's all still on the table, but as I was thinking about the next 100 episodes and, and asking myself, okay, what's in store for episode 101? Immediately when I said that phrase 101, I thought of the recent series that I recorded on YouTube, um, a 34-episode series on the 101 of Catholicism, foundations to our faith, but presented in a way that is very uh, personable, storytelling oriented, very um, practical things about why this matters to us 
and stuff we should really know about our faith. And I used it for RCIA. I uh, used it for our year one confirmation program. Uh, offered it to the whole parish. We're going to do it again live this year. So if you're in um, you know, Southern California and you want to come on Sunday mornings to St. Tim's and experience Catholicism 101 live, we'd love to have you. But it's on YouTube. And I saved all of the audio, um, uh, audio only MP3s for those episodes. So what I'm going to be doing for episode 101, um, you're going to see episode 101.01. And it's going to go from 0.01 to 0.34. And you're going to get the audio of those 34 um, episodes of our Foundations Catholicism 101 series that is on YouTube. I'll include the YouTube videos in the links if you would rather watch it on YouTube. Um, I know that's a, a bigger thing now, um, and I would encourage you to listen to them, to stick with them, because they get even better quality-wise as we go. I mean, when I started, it was like my iPhone in my office, um, and, you know, a uh, help of a teen editor, and, you know, like, we're trying to do things with music and all of this stuff, and then eventually it gets really polished, really good quality, um, you know, about halfway through, and so... Um, but I would encourage you to really look at the content, really pray through it, um, really just, yeah, um, allow the Lord, even if you think you know your Catholic faith really well, allow the Lord to speak to you and uh, allow your mind to be open to the possibility that maybe you don't know everything. Maybe we have more to learn. We always have more to learn about our faith, or maybe you haven't heard the faith presented in such a way. And so the series is a series that, you know, if someone is a complete atheist, um, could listen starting episode one and get like the basic arguments for why we believe there's a God and why they should believe and how we get to, you know, a God who loves us and how we deal with the problem of suffering and how we get from there to the person of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Catholic Church and how to live out that faith in a sacramental life and thinking about all the sacraments and the liturgical life of the church and then how to live it out in the world when it comes to morality and following the Ten Commandments and things like that. And so um, that's what's in store for you for episode 101. So episode 101 is actually going to be 34 different episodes, all labeled 101, but 101 point, whatever the episode is. And they're going to be uh, the audio of that YouTube series. And so you will hear things, and I'll, I'll include this in the new intro that I'll record, um, but you will hear things that are about when it originally premiered that may not be as relevant. You may hear things that are like, oh, maybe that's something I, I'd only get if I were watching. And also all of the things that I quote, all of the catechism and scripture references and saint uh, quotes from saints and um, you know people involved in the history of the church, um, they're on the YouTube video on the screen. And so if you're like, oh, I really want to know what that was, um, you can always click on the YouTube video and go to that timestamp and you'll find it. So and the timestamps should match perfectly because I extracted the audio straight from the video. So that's what I feel like. I just feel really called to share that. I think it was a really good resource. You know, it's episode 101. It's a 101 series. I just felt very convicted that like this is a good thing that was created that I think more people need to know about. And it's a really good opportunity for you to maybe listen with someone who doesn't really have faith or doesn't really think positively about God or about the church or maybe has left the church, has fallen away, and to just listen on car rides or to, to have a little small group with them. In fact, every single one of these episodes has an episode guide that I'll link also in the podcast description, which is basically like a, a little guide you could use to run a small group discussion. It has an opening prayer. It has key points. It has discussion questions. It has some challenges on the back for all different age groups. And it has um, a closing prayer. So you could literally start a little small group in your home 
and listen to this once a week. And I'm going to premiere, premiere these episodes once a week instead of every other week because there's 34 of them and um, we don't want to take forever, but uh, I want you to be having that content. So I'm also considering the weekly Bible study that I do, um, maybe extracting that audio and so you can prepare for the gospel, um, you know, that upcoming Sunday as part of the podcast, but we'll see. I really want to, you know, not feel like I have to reinvent the wheel, really think about all the ways that the Holy Spirit is calling me to use my gifts and serve and minister and offer that to more people. And so I hope you are excited about that because I'm excited about that. I hope you find that beneficial. Even if you've done 101 before, I would encourage you to re-listen to it. I guarantee you, you will learn something new every single episode you hear, um, but at least throughout the whole series. And each of these episodes is only... Um, I think the shortest is probably like seven, seven or eight minutes, but they're usually about 10 to 20 minutes. Some go a little over 20 minutes, but about the length of what this podcast is episode is going to be. So if you listen on double speed, it'll be totally, you know, easy. Um, one little drive to the market or an errand run or, you know, something like that once a week, uh, highly, highly, highly encourage and invite you. Um, to just tune in to see what is going on. And then during that time, I'm going to really be discerning also, after premiering that 101 series on the podcast, what next? What next? That'll give me a really good chunk of time to not have to worry about recording and creating content. And um, and if there are things that I feel like I really want to share, I'll create like a little bonus episode or something like that. But I really want to focus on offering this to all of the people that have found this podcast, express their support that I know we're listening from all over the world. And I just really appreciate that you allow me to be blessed by being in your ear every other week and now every week. And so um, always, always so blessed to hear your feedback. I would love to hear your thoughts about where this is going, your thoughts about each episode. Um, you know, message me, send me an email on the website, manafoodforthought.com. And remember, you can become a financial sponsor for as little as a dollar a month if you go to manafoodforthought.com, click on the Patreon tab. If you have, after 100 episodes, come on, if you have not rate and reviewed this podcast, actually written a review and given us a rating, please, please, please do that because it helps other people find it. Um, and, you know, this podcast is still going to be available even if we stop, I stop recording new episodes. It's still going to be on Apple Podcasts for people to find. And so if you're listening to this later and there's no new episodes or it's been rebranded, I still encourage you to share it and say, hey, look at this thing I found. It might be a blessing to you because I'm convicted that I do not have the gifts or the desire to be some famous podcaster or some, you know, um, notable Catholic person. I just feel convicted by the Holy Spirit, as we all should, to use my gifts to build the kingdom of God for his glory so more, pe more and more people will know him and the beauty of having a relationship with him. And so I hope that this, uh, where this podcast is going these next 34 weeks is a blessing to you. And uh, pray for me. Know that I'm praying for you. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless. Thank you.